Welcome to the Wellness Panel, hosted by Midwest Aries in partnership with Mental Health Ireland. Each month we bring you a panel discussion on a range of mental health and well-being topics. Each webinar is recorded live and is available to view in full on the Midwest Aries YouTube channel. Hi everyone, you're very welcome to this Midwest Aries in partnership with Mental Health Ireland um, mental health webinar on stigma. What does it look like? Um, delighted you can join us today. Um, we were just saying, I was having a chat with the panellists earlier and it, it is pretty chilly here, um, but hopefully uh, the sun will come out over the next couple of days. So um, I'll go through a little bit of the housekeeping for the minute, but I'm just going to ask all of the, I'll just stop the share there for a minute and ask all of the panellists to turn on their videos. And it's great to have you here. As you can see, I'm joined with these lovely people, my colleagues here in the mental health services, and I'll get them to, to introduce themselves in a moment. But before I do that, let's just do a little bit of housekeeping. As I said, we're going to discuss mental health stigma. What does it look like? Um, got great response from this um, when we actually uh, put the event up. So excited to do this. And also a wee bit nervous too, if truth be told, because it's a, it's a tricky one. You know, um, certainly in terms of our workshops, the issue of stigma comes up again and again. And I'm talking about whether it's in community workshops or in our acute psychiatric workshops as well. Um, today we'll be here for about an hour. Um, you can actually communicate with us and we really would love to hear from you uh, and hear, get your questions as well. To do that, at the bottom of your screen, there are a, some buttons there and one of them has Q&A on them. If you open that up, you'll be able to type in your question and send it to the panel panelists. Well, you'll send it to me and then I'll put it to the panelists. Although what's great is, and thank you to all of those who already sent their questions in. So I actually have quite a lot to get through today. Um, Right, so what have we got? Panel discussion, yeah, we'll be here for about an hour. We're not having, actually, Thomas, one of our panellists, was asking were we going to have a meditation today, but not today, um, unfortunately. We're going to just stick. This is a, this is one we want to kind of give the time to because it needs it. Um, so let's just get started. Like, mental health stigma, as I said, something that comes up again and again. And um, before we get into it, let me just introduce, I was nearly going to forget to do that, our panellists. Um, I'm so, I, I just want to get into it that I'm I'm kind of running over myself. So, Mike, we'll start with you. Can you just say hi? Hello, um, my name is Mike, Mike O'Neill. I'm the manager with Midwest Aries. And um, thank you for the introduction. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Mike. Much appreciated. Rosemary, would you like to say hello and uh, just tell people your role here in uh, the Midwest? Hi, yeah, Rosemary Ryan. I'm the area lead for mental health engagement um, across the Midwest. So I'm very fortunate in my role. I get to meet with service users, family members, carers and supporters and staff. And um, I suppose the purpose of my role is to ensure the voice of service users and family members is a central part of mental health services. So that's giving feedback on it and also the co-production part of design and evaluation so that we are working together because it is our mental health service, all of us together. Um, so that's me. Thanks, Rosemary. I love that underlining that bit. It's our mental health services. It's really great. And you do a great job there. And we're delighted to have you here because we work a lot with Rosemary. Um, so yeah, great to have your voice and have your voice here representing all of those um, forum members that you come into contact with um, 
on a weekly basis. Um, so next up, Thomas, do you want to say hello? Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Thomas and I'm a recovery education facilitator with Midwest Aries. So we deliver workshops on mental health and well-being and it's a fun job. And I'm looking forward to this webinar. Thank you, Margaret. Great stuff, Thomas. And I'm glad. Fun. A fun job. Do you hear that, Mike? Fun job. That's great. And and it is. And look, uh, I have the privilege um, to go out there and um, and see our facilitators in action like Thomas. And they do an amazing job um, by creating a lovely, warm, safe um, space where people can share uh, their thoughts and their learning on different mental health and well-being um, topics. Um, OK, Noel, we'll come to you next. And last but not least. Thanks, Margaret. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Noelle and I'm Recovery Education Facilitator with Midwest Dairies. And uh, like that, I, I do a lot of workshops in the community, in the acute uh, units and that. And like Rosemary said, it, it's, it's just lovely being able to work with people in those communities and feel like you're helping in some form one way or another. At least you're listening and um, you're, I suppose, helping them on the recovery because that's what it's about is, is the recovery piece and um you know getting them to to acknowledge that they have their inner strengths and that they have their own capabilities for recovery and yeah so love it yeah noel and i love that that whole idea of a strength-based approach that's what we do um and uh yeah it is it's it's, it's fantastic um being out there in the community setting in the acute psychiatric units and seeing it, it works um so that's the, that's who we have. And uh, so we'll get started. I just wanted to give a little bit of background to this. And in reading around, and I know all of the panelists have done this, um, just seeing what's out there, even in terms of the kind of the evidence-based piece, because even that word stigma can be triggering for people. So it's trying to give a little bit of context around attitudes to mental health and how that impacts on people, the people who experience with lived experience of mental health challenges, but also their family members and supporters. And I said, great to have Rosemary here representing that view. And for mental health staff as well, because the one thing we do know from our experience of delivering workshops and that, that issue coming up, that people who are experiencing stigma may think twice about actually looking for help. So it's really important that we, you know, as a service, um, tackle the issue head on. So with that in mind, let's, let's kind of, I'm just going to bring in a few stats from uh it's actually mental health stigma and attitude survey now i'm going to be reading from this so apologies if my head goes down it's an annual survey survey by st patrick's mental health services here in ireland and uh, it's of over 500 adults age 18 plus um throughout the country so um a really good um good number of people so they've had some really interesting findings over the last few years and obviously in the middle of that we had a pandemic that uh, I suppose threw us all um, a, a curveball when it came to our own mental health. People were struggling. Um, and often what we found was the people who maybe would have had mental health challenges before, they kind of had stuff ready in their toolkit to deal with um, the issues that COVID brought, like isolation and so on. So anyway, let's, let's have a look at what they found in the last five years, and maybe we can use this as a springboard for the discussion. So um, in 2020, 8% of people would not tell anyone if they were experiencing a mental health difficulty during 2020. So this, this is in the middle of COVID, compared to 17% who would not tell anyone just two years earlier in 2018. So you can see that 
people just seem to be more open about having those discussions um, around mental health problems or mental health challenges. Um, now, I think what's really, really interesting in this is, um, the, the, you know, in, in 2022, when they ran this survey again, um, that figure actually went down. So now it's at 11%. So the number of people less willing to disclose mental health difficulties since the pandemic has slightly risen since 2020, now at 11%. So it's, I suppose, all the good stuff that maybe happened with the pandemic when we were much more open about our mental health, there seems to be a slight return to, you know, maybe a moment of pause. Maybe I won't be, you know, um, having those conversations. Um, wanted to pick out a couple of things as well around family. So there's one stat here, which I think is quite interesting. And I know, Noelle, um, maybe at some point you'd like to come in on this as, as we have a chat. In 2020, 8% of people would not have told anyone if their son or daughter was being treated for depression, compared to 18% in 2018. In 2022, the figure stood at 13%. So again, it's, um, and I can kind of understand that, you know, in terms of if it's your son and daughter, maybe that's their story to tell. Maybe that's something, you know, that would give you pause if you were going to disclose to someone. Um, next piece I think is interesting is the, the workplace piece. So 64% of people in 2020 would have been okay explaining to their boss they needed time off work for a mental health difficulty. And that was actually, 2020 was the highest percentage to date. And remember, that's when COVID, I think we were all talking about mental health there. So that actually makes sense. So that's compared to the figure of 61% in 2018. But now in 2022, that has gone down to 56%. So people are definitely thinking about can I actually ask for support or can I ask for time off um, in work? Um, and then the final one I want to share with you, and I know this has taken a little bit of time, but I think it's important to have it. 18% um, of those surveyed in 2022 wouldn't tell anyone if they'd previously been treated in an inpatient, as an inpatient um, for a mental health difficulty. Um, in 2018, this figure stood higher at 27%. So that seems to at least have improved um in that uh, in that four year period from 2018 to 2022 so i know i've thrown a lot of figures at you and please i hope i haven't bored you to death just yet but i do think it just gives context and a bit of evidence around what's actually happening because when it comes to stigma i think it is all about feelings it, it really is and um so let's try and have an honest conversation about this and uh, i suppose in all of our workshops or in all of our webinars, we always start with that on the group understanding bit in terms of let's try to define between us what mental health stigma looks like. So um, and if we can kind of pinpoint the two kind of differences or between public stigma and stealth stigma, I think would, would be helpful. So I'll go to I'd say, Mike, you're probably ready to go on this because we've had plenty of conversations about stigma. Yeah, and I suppose like kind of when you talk about the self-stigma, uh, you know, and maybe external stigma, I think there's also stigma can be experienced in families, you know. So it's kind of like it's, and while I think we're trying to overcome the challenges and the negative experience for people and families who have experienced mental health uh, illness, and I know, Margaret, I'm taking your line here, but you once described it as a dirty bomb going off in a household. And that's actually what it looks like. So 
and I suppose so then coming all the way back to so it can impact in different ways and sometimes we can actually experience stuff that is word indeed and it's very real but sometimes it can be perception but either way it comes back to how if I have a mental health illness how do I respond and how do I feel so it's very much about the feelings and I suppose the thing we have here in um, in Aries is we have our discrimination guidelines and while that's quite clear on the nine guidelines there's one there and it says disability and if you go to the the World Health Organization website and type in is mental health, mental illness a disability? The answer is yes. So we're actually identified in law that yes, we need to be protected because those feelings, real or imagined uh, or perceived, you know, do have an impact. Um, and so it's again, so what is it again? So it's a bit like that image in the poster, and I love it, you know, marked out. So some of us can be marked out from a young age because we're a genius. And that's a positive thing. But if we are marked out as having a mental illness, now we're seen as something different. And I suppose what I do like about all of us here, we are coming on as representatives and we're working in the mental health service and we're the change in face of the mental health service. You know, so and that I suppose we are bringing, um, I suppose the I, I suppose that representation of the people who use the service um, and family members um, to this, and I suppose it is to challenge those um, perceptions that are out there. You know, uh, and they are real. You, you know, because like it must be awful right now. We just. If I had a diagnosis of severe depression or schizophrenia, you know, bipolar disorder, you know, when we look at in the media, you know, and if there's a horrific crime carried out and somebody is murdered, what do they look for? You know, they look for a scapegoat or a reason why. And while my diagnosis may be private, it could be all over the paper. And now we are perceived we're a risk to society. So you can go down many different routes. You know, you could look at, um, you know, even in a family, you know, if somebody is experiencing severe mental illness, I need a babysitter. Who do I ask? The person with the mental illness or the person without because, you know, there is this thing, it's unspoken, but it's quite clear that yeah um there's messages out there that we get and that's just one example that's communicated to people with mental illness there's something wrong or you're a risk you know so that to me is very real um, thanks Mary. no and thanks mike and i think um we, again we've often spoken that you know before like obviously the public bias and you're right the whole media thing will will dig hopefully a little bit deeper deeper into that because i do have a question on that later on but that whole de idea of unconscious bias we all have things in about us that maybe unconsciously we don't kind of connect with but that bias piece is probably more insidious um and i'd ask anybody who's here or maybe listening to kind of think about that if you did know and you had a full disclosure of somebody's diagnosis or experience 
and be truthful with yourself. And that's the hardest thing to do because we all want to think that we're lovely people and we want to do good things. But it can impact on how not just we feel, but how we behave around people or um, the opportunities we might give those people. I'm not saying we do, but it is there. And people with mental health challenges experience it, but they also fear it. And that's what I get from our um, our workshops. Um, would anyone like to come in on that? Again, that defining thing, maybe have a different perspective on it. Um, Rosemary, would you like to come in in terms of stigma and how it's defined, you know, in terms of people that's spoken to you or maybe even how they've experienced it? Yeah, well, with the basic definition that um, I sort of um, tag it to is that it, it's a block and a fear and there's something that you know you 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 can't go there and i know there's cer certain circumstances where you wouldn't anyways but just that that block and that fear that it can't this can't be uh in the open the poster is great as well that kind of shadow um image as well that it's something in the shadows and it remains in the shadows if we are you know it's if, if it's a stigmatizing thing um so I actually, and it, it really stands out to you when there is someone, um, just recently I spoke to a very impressive person and very refreshing and had said that right from the start in dealing with mental health illness, uh, the person decided that I'm not going to stigmatize myself, you know, and that was really kind of empowering. So, you know, and going along through the process of recovery, you know, and work relationships, you know, life going on, but having made a decision from the outset that I'm not going to uh, be stigmatized. However, you take that position for yourself and there, there may still be that kind of wider within the culture, that public stigma that obviously you would still be aware of. But I thought that was just a great way to just say from the outset, I'm not going to bear that because um, it is a bit of a that that kind of block or fear can kind of hang on you then and um, so blow it out you know I thought that was I hadn't really heard someone to voice it that way before um, and I was impressed with it so we we each one of us takes our position whether we you know that we reject stigma and hopefully all together with these type of discussions that the, that public stigma that kind of that bias that we fear or that's tangibly there um, that, that might just dissipate and be removed, you know, um, it's kind of the way that I was looking at it. That's brilliant, Rosemary. I think what's really interesting is instead of that being the norm, that gentleman stood out for you yeah. because he actually named it. So um, that was unusual, you know, um, and I think that 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 kind of polarizes it, shows it very dramatically. And I loved those kind of things that you use. And, and Mike was saying the same, that kind of fear, darkness, it's hidden. It's something, it's the shame bit. It all seems to be there. And and that is that that meeting of the public stigma and the, you know, the, the, the self-stigma as well. Um, would anyone else like to come in again on that? We just want to make sure we're all on the same page or just get a different perspective on it maybe, or maybe just want to reflect on what's been said. Noelle, do you want to come in I, there? I suppose um, for me, I come from a family member perspective. I suppose that's my 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 job, my role. Um, but like my, I suppose, experience, I go to by my experience as well, I suppose in my, coming to learn working in the area, I've re I've learned um, and just being totally honest here is I suppose I didn't really understand people's mental health challenges like because 
I don't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, didn't um, walk in their shoes. So it's lovely to be working in it, meeting people, but I don't know what their diagnosis are. And that's really important to me because I don't want to know. I just want to know the person. And that is, that has a huge impact on me. And, and it's like, and going through the family member perspective with that, then it, it has helped in that area, meeting people that have, who might openly talk to you about things then, and you see it in such a different way. So I think to me, that's really important because people are identified by their illness, not as the person. And I think that's really the big, big part of the stigma is you're identified as your illness and not with somebody who has, who's living with a mental health condition. Um, and that comes from fear-based lack of understanding. And for me, a huge part of that is the language used around it, I think is really important, is that language piece, how we talk about it, how it's talked about in the media, how it's talked about generally every day. And um, and then that impacts the person's whole, so it, the, the stigma impacts the person's challenges that they're facing. And then they internalize it, and then they've got this blame and shame and all these internal feelings that they have lack of self-esteem then, which causes that and lack of self-belief. And that, you know, they're, they're, they can see that people are seeing them, identifying them as their illness. So that impact is huge. So I It is, Noel. It, it absolutely is, Noel. Um, and, and I think you've just nailed it there. And the only reason I'm jumping in is because I've just got a question there that really, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head there in terms of language. Um, but just even reflecting on what you said, definitely that, you know, stigma is is such a barrier to how you know to your personal recovery mm. you know because it's that you know you, you can't reach out you can't help you can't just say but um i'm going to come thomas to you in a second but i just want to reflect on this piece because it just matches in with um with noel's just said so uh, and again guys please keep the questions coming in this is a really good one the word stigma originates from the greek language to carve to mark as a sign of shame Mike and uh, Rosemary, um, punishment or disgrace? Um, does the oops? Does the panel feel that we shame ourselves in the language we use around mental health and our experiences? If we change the language around our experience, does the the panel feel things would change? Um, now I know I haven't come to you yet, Thomas. Do you want to come in on this one or? Uh could I go to the, you know, the definition and maybe... Yes, please. With, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we de- uh, yeah definitely come, come to the definition and then we'll come back to yeah, this one. Um, as being part of a different community, you know, I face the stigma and the discrimination, which we'll talk about later. Um, I had to actually Google it to get a precise definition. And apart from getting a diagram of a flower, stigma, you know, part of the flower, um, it's a disease or disgrace associated with a person. And that kind of just hurts, you know, reading that. And from listening to the other panelists, uh, the shame, you know, shame is a fear, you know, controlling device, not, not allowing us to do what we want and kind of hold ourselves back. So again, it's the thoughts and feelings that we do have around the stigma, the self-stigma, what are we telling ourselves, what stories are we creating? And I want to go to Rosemary's um, story um, about the person saying, I don't want to tell anybody or whatever. I look at that, look, look at that as you're setting a boundary for yourself. You need to keep yourself safe in that. And I think that's a great awareness or 
way of putting it you know you're setting a boundary for yourself and maybe disclose to certain people that you trust or whatever so um did that answer the question absolutely and again what's beautiful is you mentioned that word again language you know and the stories we tell ourselves and how we see ourselves so it, it really all links up um thanks thomas for that um so going back to that question that we have there in terms of changing us was flipping the language around so does the panel feel that we shame ourselves in the language we use around mental health and our experiences if we change the language um, does does the panel feel that things would change? Who would like to come in on that one? Yeah, I'm going to jump in here. Go, I, I thought you would. I can't resist it because like, and I know I'm going to break the rules of what we said about sharing some of our own experience, but I, I have to because when I became very unwell, that's what I felt. I felt shame. I felt disgrace. The, thought, the only sentence that came to mind when I saw that there was, I actually, when I was very unwell, I was a broken human being. And I ended up at one stage going around to family and friends, apologizing for being a failed human being. I was that bad. So that was my self-stigma, and that's how it manifested itself. and. Eventually, I reached a point where I just asked myself the question, is this helping? And it's a question I often use, and it's a question I use in the, in the work. No matter what we do, if we can always have those little checks and balances, when we go down the road of self-stigma and that self-shame, is it helping? It wasn't helping me, so I had to stop. And um, But the... the but also in that, you see, where if you're going to experience that, if that was my belief and my thinking and how I felt about myself, and this is where other people come into it. Because, again, if you have family members, friends, colleagues, whatever that looks like, pointing the finger at you, you're not performing, you're not doing this, you're not meeting my needs. And all of so it just compounds the stigma. And that comes back to what I said at the beginning around like kind of you can have it in the workplace, you can have it externally, you can have it in the media, but you can also have it in families. And, you know, so that's the piece. And I suppose one of the things I suppose that we do here in our work is as part of our training. So to change the message around mental health, that is a training piece that we do here is, is, is what we call personal narrative training. But it's about how and why we share what we do about or our experience of mental ill health. Uh, but we do that in a safe way. And that safe way asks us to look at our recovery journey of, you know, well, what am I willing to share? What is public? But what is private? Because sometimes we have to look beyond ourselves and our immediate needs. They don't, it's like as Noel said, don't need to know anyone's diagnosis. It's not important. I'm treating you as a fellow human being and I'm responding with kindness and compassion. To use Thomas's words earlier, I think even before we came on. Um, you, you know, so that's the way we can overcome it, you know. And it's a bit, it's a, one of our messages here in what we do in our work is, treat the person not the illness and and that way we can overcome stigma you know so and again it's i suppose it's a privilege here to be working you know at this point um and working in bringing 
helping achieve change within the mental health service, but also in the public and our community and our community partners. To be at, to be at that cutting edge is a privilege. And then again, to see people on the recovery journey. But I suppose, again, it's a bit like, you know, how do we communicate in a safe way to change the message rather than throwing myself under the bus and harming myself in the process? And that's key, you know, to changing the perception of um, mental and- illness. And Mike, I just want to come in there and I just want to thank you for sharing that because we did have to share with you, you know, with the participants, we did have a clear discussion in terms of disclosure because, you know, um, this is being recorded and there is an element of risk when you are sharing something that, um, you know, if, if you're not sure about why you're sharing it and we share our lived experience both as family members and as people with you know lived experience of mental health challenges because we know you know it's, it's in a very focused way and it's in a very safe way and um, so I just want to thank you for that Mike because I know people will appreciate that and I think Noel wants to come in there Noel just a quick thing because I know you have more questions but I suppose it starts with the basics ask you know take the fear out of it and just ask you know you don't have to understand what the person is going through but ask what can you do to support them and you know give let them have the power and if you start at the basis by asking the person and taking the fear out of it not be afraid to approach it and it starts from the ground level then build on that yeah and and thanks noel absolutely and again it's going back just seeing the individual they're just it, it's it's just person person and i've got rosemary you want to come in there yeah, just I, it's good to hear from uh, Mike and Noel that idea of just being matter of fact, just to be able to ask, you know, stigma can prevent you from doing something that simple. So um, an experience that we would have had as well is around the stigma being there in that we can't openly say matter of fact, this is a diagnosis, doesn't define the person, but, you know, why not just be clear and now we move on and it's you know, we're moving towards recovery all the time. So um, I feel there could be a bit of stigma in around in the, in the appropriate place with, it, with whoever supporting you, just being able to say, this is what it is. It's not in the shadows. Um, it's not defining me by any means, but um, I, you know, I'm moving forward and, and, and recovering and just no, no difficulty with just addressing it, you know. Absolutely, Rosemary. And I think this is the this is the issue we have, because I think absolutely for just matter of fact with it. And we just like this. Is, these are my needs. This is what I've got. But then you've got that discrimination piece, um, you know, and, and they can they do match together. And we we'll look at that in a second. But I know, Thomas, you probably want to come in on this point here. Yeah, uh, um, I just wanted to pick up something that Mike said uh, about expectations. And I think, you know, we have some people may live in others' expectations or societal expectations. And when you have, you know, a mental health difficulty, you're kind of telling yourself that, oh, I failed to meet those expectations or shaming yourself about that. And as part of um, our resilience workshop, we have a worksheet uh, about positive affirmations and just identifying, I am, you know, confident, uh, chatty, you know quiet you know I have supports I can go to you know peer support or go to Midwest Aries and it's just a reminder of those positives that we do have and not let the fear or shame um you know take over you know that stigma 
Definitely, Thomas. And it is that fear of shame. And um, again, we were talking earlier and we'll talk about this um, at some point, I hope, is that, as I said, the discrimination piece, but um, disclosing. How do we safely disclose if we need to? And again, talking to or speaking to Mike's point there about private, what's private and what's public. But sometimes we need to go public um, in order to get the supports that we need. So does any of the panel have advice around disclosures, maybe in the workplace or in college, um, about how people can safely do that in order to get the supports they need? Who'd like to come in? I'll go first. Oh, oh, Tom, oh we, we'll oh, go to Thomas. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll go, okay. to Tom, I mean, we'll go to you, Thomas. Yeah, uh, well, I was fortunate to have someone to talk to about, you know, disclosures, how you do it, what not to say, how far you are willing to go. Um, and just having that chat, you know, have that sort of um, document or, you know, table or whatever. Okay, I'm not going to say this. I can say that. I'm okay with saying that. And just having someone to chat to and maybe practice on. Um, at one stage, my previous employer, I needed um, to go from work early every so often to go to a support group. So, you know, I knocked on his door and I went in and, and you know, shared what I was comfortable sharing. I said, yeah, that's fine. And he had an understanding of mental health and he was uh, passionate about the area. And um, during the discussion, you know, I disclosed certain things. And he said that, you know, it's a strength to have someone like you with the organization. And I see that, you know, you fit in great here and, um, you know, looking to promote me perhaps in the future with the strengths that I've gained from, you know, mental health difficulties. Uh, unfortunately, COVID shut it down, but here we are. Um, yeah, but I'm just really grateful that, you know, I can have that chat and, you know, to go to someone who understood and had that support in place as well. So thanks, I think Margaret. That's a, thank you, Thomas. And I think, well, first of all, thanks for disclosing that. And I think that's a really useful, um, not useful, but like important lesson or important message to hear. Um, firstly, be organized, like have some, I love the idea of practicing and be very clear what you're going to disclose, why you're disclosing it and what your needs are, what, what you know, the, the disclosing something, um, you know, you need to disclose in order to get somewhere. Um, and, and it was brilliant that your employer actually recognised that there was real strength there in your experience. So, like, that's a great message to get. Yeah, I just um, wanted to bring, bring that in because, you know, we can go down the rabbit hole of, you yeah. know, negativity, you know, so I just wanted yeah. to bring that and, and I'm sure there are really difficult stories out there as well. But so it's really important to offset that with, you know, that's that's a great example of when it's when it, you know, when it really works, which, you know, wouldn't it be great if it was always like that? Um, I think, Rosemary, were you going to come in on that? I know, Noel, you want to come in as well. Um, we go to you first, Noel and Rosemary, then I'll come to you if that's OK. Yeah. No, just quick. I, I just said it to you beforehand. Um, there was an article I read a research piece done in Holland um, around this piece, you know, and, and part of it was disclosure. And what I found really interesting was was a really good tip was to, um, you know, because it's very daunting of having that, that, that approach and, and knowing what, how much I, what do I disclose? What do I say? And if you have, what they said was that um, to kind of curb that fear, 
was to think about what you're hoping to get out of that conversation with the person. And I thought that was a really great way of looking at it. What are you hoping to, to, to get when you approach your, your employer or whoever it is? Um, have something tangible then. What are the needs that you, you know, think about what you need within that workspace or wherever it is and go to the person with those, that tangible thing, you know? And then from that, you'll be able to decide what you want to disclose then of your illness along with that because you might only need to disclose a certain part that's going to help you within the workplace and and I think for the other person you're going to then you're coming with solution which is is always um is always seen in a positive way so yes maybe you're going through something difficult but look at you you've still got solutions and you you know you still want to work and you still want to do this but these are what I might need as extra supports to help me and then they said to do that then is to kind of you know, see what the culture of the workplace is. Is the person approachable? What are they like? You know, what way do they like to conduct things? And that will help you in, in processing that. And it's a kind of a good way for you then to have that control when you're going. Because I think we've lot, uh, when someone's not well, there's a, you know, lack of self-control, you know, that they don't have control over the situation. So I think it gives you that bit of encouragement, that bit of self, self-belief that I can do this, you know. It's a great that that that's just really practical. Um, so just and kind of you know again seeing it in a different way. I do have a, a question there. I'll just come to that in a second, but I just want to come to Rosemary. Um, Rosemary, I know you want to come in on this point. Yeah, just briefly because Thomas and Noel have covered it there. That you know it's it's a need to know um what 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 I might disclose and my fear of how it might be received and. Um, that's probably larger and there's evidence there from this, the study um, from St. Patrick's that there is an indication of self-stigmatizing attitude um, to intend considering it a weakness if they sought help for mental health themselves. But if it was their friend, colleague or family member seeking help, it's only one in 10 um, who would consider it a sign of weakness. So we're, we're not as kind with ourselves as other people would be um, when you have those conversations. I think that's it, Rosemary. It is that kindness, compassion and self-compassion. Um, and, and also, you know, it takes an amount of bravery as well. And as you know, I said, like if you're very unwell, it's 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 difficult to kind of tap into those strengths. Um, but I'll come. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Gonna, yeah, go I, ahead. Yeah, and I, I'm just going to jump in on this. Please, again, yeah. On, we say the various threads that are coming through there as well. And I think it's really important. And I suppose... I suppose for us here as a team, just to let people know, there's nine of us working in Aries and Rosemary is the door opposite me. And we work very close together. But what we do have, and again, but we do have a culture which we have created between us. It's not something I did as manager or it's not something that I was told to do that we identified, you know, that yes, we are human beings, we do have struggles and we have, so we have a very open culture here that is fostered rather than punished, you know, if people express, you know, I'm struggling because before I ever came to this job as well, and this is kind of tapping into again what Thomason said, for me as a manager, if somebody comes to me and says, and this is maybe something for any people who are coming in here or service providers, if somebody makes a disclosure, God, I'm struggling mentally. I have two questions that are really useful and I can come at these in different ways. But what I aim for to get absolute clarity is, and the two questions, simple. What do you need right now? And the second one is, how can I help? 
And that's it. You know, now you're responding as a human being, but also in a responsible way, you know, and you could bring that into your personal relationships, your family relationships. And if you have that approach, you know, as a little tip, you know, and it works. Um, because again, if we don't look after each other, there's no one else going to deal with it. That's the piece about it. In our families, if we don't deal with it for each other, there's no one else going to deal with it. And the same in the workplace. And it works, you know. And so take away the fear. It act, because what it actually does is it creates a stronger bond, stronger attachment, stronger relationship, you, you know, uh, and the ben there's benefits for everybody in it. Um, and it's like, as Thomas said, there's actually benefits in this um, rather than working in isolation, you know, struggling with, you know, even if it's unconscious bias in the workplace, afraid to speak out, getting back into like living in that fear. Um, yeah, re reach out, um, but with the right person, but in the right way too, you know. Absolutely. And again, it's something we've spoken of a lot, and, and I'm very grateful for that open um, culture that uh, that we all have. Um, it's, it's, it's just so important. It's why we're still in the job. And uh, if you have that openness, you know, we've often discussed at Michael's staff retention. I mean, people will stay in places where they feel that they can show their vulnerability when they need to, will get the right support, but will give you over and above because you'll really appreciate it. And that's what we have here. And uh, it's something personally I'm very grateful for. And I know everybody is here. Um, I just want to come to this, this question and we've probably covered it already. Actually, there's two in there. Um, yeah. Does the panel think we place uh, that stigma on ourselves? Or is there hidden stigma people experience? Um, and then I want to come to the whole idea of stereotypes and how we deal with that. So if you can just, if someone, just one person wants to come in on that one, I'd appreciate it. I think that it is a bit of both. You know, even if I'm in the best place for myself where I said, look, I reject stigma, I accept myself and my struggles and my position in recovery, there can still be stigma you know that you're aware of and maybe real or imagined um as mike mentioned at one point but it, it can be real um but it's still that that step of destigmatizing for ourselves is still going to be really important and you know supportive workplace is obviously the ideal or just supportive person that you can talk to um so yeah i wouldn't say that there's no hidden stigma and we uh, by these conversations we tackle it and by how we act and speak with others we tackle it so the the process is ongoing um yeah it, it's well pointed out though in that uh, message there yeah thanks um rosary for coming in on that it's just something i've been reflecting on as we've been talking um sometimes you know um because obviously we we, sh we have community workshops, we have them online, we're also thinking units from face to face, but we also have a lot of mental health staff that will come or HSE staff that come to our workshops because let's face it, we all have mental health. That's the first thing, we all have it. But it may, at various points in our life, it may be challenged in some way. And I, you know, especially over COVID, and we would know this anecdotally from staff that, um, you know, work with us and just talk to us, you know, that they've had challenges as well. So it's not, you know, you may look at somebody and say, oh God, they've got it all, you know, all sorted and they're not touched by mental health issues at all. But in fact, they are. And I think by having that openness and that culture where people can say, do you know what, I'm having a bad day. 
or I need a little bit of support. I wouldn't mind a chat or I'm having this problem. You know, it's just it really, really is helpful and it keeps people well and it keeps them employed. It keeps them in, you know, and it keeps them productive. So there's lots of good benefits um, around um, supporting people with mental health challenges. One thing I definitely wanted to come to because it comes up again and again, and Mike, you already touched on this, is that negative stereotype. We're all familiar with, you know, the psychopaths who are, you know, the axmores or whatever in those movies, but it's more insidious than that. You know, mental health challenges aren't represented well across the media by and large. They're not. Uh, even how they report certain um, incidents with people who have had mental health challenges. So I'm just wondering, how does the panel think that we can, you know, tackle those stereotypes? How can we break them? Or do you think that's already happening? Who'd like to come in on that one? Yeah, I I think that like by having conversations like this and being honest is one way of doing it. But like you have to look at managing risk as well. And I'm just looking at the Q&A here. And again, Sarah, um, nice to have people in from the the uh, the unit uh, in Limerick and um, and there can be a lot at stake, you, you, you know, like, like so when you disclose in, in the workplace. So depending on uh, not everybody has a good experience like like so Thomas was fortunate, but a lot of people aren't. And sometimes, um, yeah, and there are big consequences for that, you know, and unfortunately, um, I don't have the answer for dealing with people who are, you know, going to be, um, you know, see you as, as a risk now in the workplace or do their best to suspend you from work or sack you from work as a consequence of it. Um, and again, those are separate issues, um, you know, but again, it's, um, yeah, no, that, that, that there can be consequences. So again, there, there, again, as I say, be careful. So if you're going to make a disclosure, you must think to what end? Why am I doing this? You know, is it is it a part of the, my healing? Is it cathartic? But like, if it's with the wrong audience, well, then you've made a mistake. So sometimes you have to, again, if you have that one good friend that you can use as a sounding board, you know, that if I am going to make a disclosure, just be really sure um, that you're doing it in, in the right place, in the right way. Um, but be really clear on what is my motivation for this. Uh, and, and I think well. that that's so. so true, Mike, in terms of it's not even and even beyond that, are you actually speaking to the right person? You know, and I think, again, speaking to like in terms of Noel's point there, um, like what's the work culture? You can't you will get like take the temperature, you know, in the organization. Are they open? Do people laugh or make, you know, difficult jokes around mental health? You know, all of those things will give you those signals about how is it, how are they going to respond? And I just want to say a huge thanks to um, everybody in the acute psychiatric unit there in UHL. It is fantastic to have you on board because every time you come on board, you always ask the real questions, the difficult questions, and you make us think. So I'm um, delighted that uh, that you could make it on today. Really, really, um, really happy that you're here. And please keep the questions coming. Um, so again, and it's all part of that same thing. It's the stereotypes. You know, how do we break them? How do we, you know, how do we within workplaces change that? Noel. Well, I suppose I'm just thinking in not just workplaces, but I suppose like overcoming the stigma, I suppose we're looking at as well is like 
you know, more people are coming out, maybe that are, are more people that are famous, that are maybe more relatable, are coming out and owning their story and acknowledging that they're going through things. There's a lot more forums and podcasts and things available. And I think that encourages people maybe to, to own their own story. Um, because I think that empowers a person if they own their story and not let others dictate their story for them, I think is so important. And I suppose normalizing it, isn't it? And I know it's difficult and it's not always received, you know, you know, like, like Mike was saying, you know, it, I suppose be careful where you're doing it, I suppose, you know, know your audience, know who you're talking to, you know, but it is that normalization of it, you know, have that open and honest discussions like we're having today, you know, and even Mike saying about his and experience Thomas coming in about his and, you know, it's, you're owning your story, but you're saying what's helped and what, what can I do? Because I'm, it's, it's my story, my experience. I'm not going to let others dictate what that is or what that's going to be named as. And I know that's really difficult, but it's, and I suppose with that, to me, it always comes back to education, educating yourself, educating others, people educating, will find out, you know, as a family member, find out what, what, what's happening, what's going on. You know, and that's the only way we learn, isn't it, through educating and listening and be more open and have these conversations and normalising it. And that word education was exactly that came out in terms of the um, of UHL there. Uh, it, it's so true, educating yourself and the language piece again, it's all connected. How we speak to ourselves, how, do we, sp how we speak of others and how we speak to others. All of those things are just so, so important. Um, Anybody else want to come in on that? I, th I think you're right um, as well, Noel. There definitely seems to be since COVID, there's a lot more discussion around mental health, but sometimes it can be seen a little bit as the next thing, you know, in, in that kind of big wellness area. Um, and, and that, I mean, personally, sometimes that can put me off a little bit because I don't feel the realness of it. Whereas if we're in the acute psychiatric unit where we're having a workshop and you hear from that, it's so real, you know, you can really connect with the, the discussion. I hope that makes sense. Thomas, I know you want to come in there. Thomas, you're muted. Sorry, I thought Rosemary wanted to go. Um, yeah, the stereotypes um, as being part of a different community, you know, I faced discrimination and stereotypes for many, many years. And when I do face the discrimination, I just remember of this psychological term called Halon's razor. You assume ignorance and not malice because, you know, again, like Noelle said, it's education, you know, they may not know what they're doing because from doing this work in mental health and the years of, you know, living, you know, having those strengths of empathy, compassion, kindness, creativity, and even resilience, I think, you know, we all need those kind of strengths to get through life and how hard it is. And again, as you were saying, you know, wellness is the next thing, you know, you know, just have patience, things are changing slowly and, you know, look after yourselves in that. Does that... Absolutely. And thanks for that, Thomas. Um, Rosemary, I'll just come to you now. Yeah, just it's a roundup that the the big kind of jump to say, what will I disclose? And the whole, the workplace, it is tricky. So we heard some things here that will really help. Like it is small steps, like first a decision that I'm not, not, not hiding here, but I have a trusted person that I can talk to. Thomas's example that I could 
just re kind of rehearse what would I say, why why would I, and what would I say, and that I feel confident in saying it, and I know my audience of who I need to go to with that. Like it's it's a series of small steps starting with yourself, you know. So um, rather than being a big kind of daunting um, task, it, it breaks down in that way. So um, that's the that's the approach. Take the take the daunt out of it. I love that, Rosemary. Take the daunt out of it. I'll take that with me because it's so <laughs> it's so true, though. But, you know, because um, it is daunting. It's just like, how do you start? And a lot of the times, how do you start? You know, um, it's yeah. What, what What's the first thing you can do? Um, I suppose one thing that I kind of want to finish on, and we've got a little bit of time to go into it is, and we've kind of touched on this. So we've looked at, we have a kind of a definition there. We know that um, there is discrimination there, this fear there around disclosure. What are the benefits of dealing head on with stigma? And I know, Rosemary, you had that, that gentleman who said, look, I'm just not going to buy into stigma. It's not part of me. I'm going to be open about what I do, who I am. Um, and that that's a tricky one to navigate in the real world. Um, but what are the benefits of, of doing that and being open? And even if we can think about this from a service user or service provider piece, um, what do you think are the benefits of having these discussions and, and having being open around stigma? I start or Mike, I jumped in on you. That I've, I... I think it's two-way benefit. You mentioned that, say, take a workplace or, you know, my school or wherever I'm interacting with people, it's a benefit both ways. Um, so I free myself of the stigma and, you know, allow myself to just be who I am, be where I am. Um, and I have a team of people, people who, if they would understand a little bit more, would be able to be of more of a support and for those that don't understand or aren't at that place, the conversations like these will, will hopefully will nudge them along, you know, so we each can play our part and kind of widen out the circle and just make it a bit more compassionate for everybody. And, um, you know, and with the little steps and, and the conversations. I love that we each have a part to play and we do. And I, and I would say just let's all ask ourselves, what is our unconscious bias? Look ourselves, look at ourselves in the mirror. And with that, I think we've got a nice um, something here from Nicola. I just say, I'm not your mirror. Learn from a 10 year old, um, which is which is really great. Um, love that. Um, Mike, I know you wanted we're kind of nearing the end now because I do want to share a bit of signposting, but I knew you wanted to come in on that. Yeah. Uh, and again, I suppose it's back to even what you said that sometimes like when I look at celebrities, people in the media, rock stars and all the rest of it, they don't speak to me. You know, so so again, when it comes to mental illness and mental health, there's a whole spectrum. You know, so um, so different people have different needs, even at different stages in the recovery or illness or wellness or whatever that looks like. And, um, you know, so so again, it's it comes back to at the beginning what you said about feelings, you know. So, again, how can we overcome it? And and this was a real life example. While it wasn't discriminatory, but it was certainly harmful behavior in one uh, previous employment where the manager was speaking to a lady in a, der a derogatory tone um, that was 
she was hurt by it and she didn't know how to address it. And she says, Mike, she says, I'm so upset over this. He keeps treating me like dirt and I don't know what to say. And I says, well, he has, um, you know, two daughters and a wife and they're adults and they're out in the workplace. So I says, the next time he speaks to you like that, just say, God, will you listen to yourself? I wonder what, you know, how you would feel if somebody spoke to your wife or your two daughters the way you've just spoken to me. So in a way, it's turning what, so if something is that explicit, turn it on its head and reflect it back and it's non-confrontational, you know. So, and it stopped. That actually worked, you know. So sometimes we can learn a language to advocate for ourselves as well, you know, where I love what Rosemary said at the beginning, but to me, about that gentleman who was like, you know, I'm not even giving this stuff space in me head for the one of a better phrase. But that's the exception. Whereas most of us, you know, when we are in that broken place or we are in distress, we are experiencing, you know, extreme loss and being overwhelmed, uh, you know, uh, it's very hard to have that pushback. You know, so for a lot of people, and it is, and then as Rosemary did say, it is those small steps. It is that little piece, you know, that we can build on. Um, you know, so. um, Noel, I just want, we've got three minutes left, so I just need to go to the signposting, but I just want to come in on one short if it's brief. Yeah, just right. very quick. I suppose just when you're saying the benefits, I suppose it opens more equal opportunities for the person that they feel that they're not going to be unfairly treated within their communities they'll make maybe more of an effort within that social connections within that community whether it's clubs or at workplace or activity wherever it is i think allows for that for them to be more empowered um and yeah just that. brilliant noel no absolutely and it, it is a positive thing for everyone and it's going back to rosemary point rosemary's point we all have a role to play, whether we are service providers, people using those services, their family members, the wider community, when it comes to stigma. You know, we all check yourself, you know, um, what language are we using? How are we responding to people? And even for ourselves, how, you know, how are we going back to Thomas's point around the stories we tell ourselves? Like what are, you know, are we using kind words to ourselves? All of those things, they're so important. I'm breaking that horrible hold that stigma has over people because it reduces life chances and it it means that people are less productive in their lives and um and it's also more stress on the services as well you know so it's it's yeah it's something we all need to, to look at i'm mindful of the time um i will come back to three all of you just to say a quick goodbye but i just want to do a little bit of signposting if that's okay if the um can you see that okay everybody can see that just want to check if you can give me a thumbs up great so um just a quick push in terms of our own workshops we've mentioned them here today we are online so very simple uh lots and lots of things coming up in May um, you can book on Eventbrite or um, get back to myself anyone who attends will get the uh, the slides with all of this information on so um, you don't need to take any details down um, in the meantime Thomas if you could put a feed the feedback form link in the chat I'd really appreciate it um, there is a feedback form that we'd like you to complete um, today it just really helps us with these webinars it only takes a couple of minutes I know it's a bit of a pain um, but we, we'd really really appreciate it. So if you have time to do that, please do. Um, 
we are delighted with this new partnership that we have with both Rosemary and the Hunt Museum, um, all looking at creativity for well-being. The next one is on Thursday, May the 11th. It's open now for booking on the Hunt Museum website. Um, and then in June, we're in Kilmallock for, again, looking at creativity for well-being and journaling for well-being. There are other face-to-face -face workshops coming on stream as well. So um, if you want to be on our, you know, our contact list, please contact me and I'll do that so you won't miss anything. Um, next next month and I'm almost jealous that I'm not hosting this one because this is something I really really care about but anyway I'm sure it'll be brilliant uh it's uh, clinical um recovery and personal recovery and mental health what's the difference and uh there is a difference and they can work together but they can also be it's a tricky one but I'm really upset I'm missing that one next month but please sign up for it it's going to be a good one uh and I'm just going to hand you on Rosemary do you want to just literally briefly just um let people know how they can contact you yeah, thanks so much, Margaret. My details are there, and this was one of the most um, destigmatizing opportunities that I had. Um, just being able to be in a room with others, voice my experience, and talk together about solutions. So, um, this poster here is about the local mental health forum. If you or your family member, friend, someone who's supporting someone with mental health difficulties would like to share their views and be able to um, contribute to service improvement. Um, this is one of the ways that you could do that. And I would just encourage people to, um, to take that small step and give your view, get involved, come to the next um, webinar, you know, and then we move forward in that way. Thanks, Margaret. Thanks, Rosemary. And yeah, definitely underline that, um, you know, if you've something to say and you want to make things better in a very positive way, that's your opportunity to do that. And Rosemary does an amazing job um, with, with the forums and we're really grateful for that. Again, you can find us online. We will be, as I said, we record this. Um, it will be available on our YouTube channel and also on our podcast, which is available on all um, kind of podcast or audio platforms including spotify it's called the wellness panel please check us out and it's great when you're you know going for a long walk just put us on there and listen to us and um, we do um host these in partnership with mental health ireland unfortunately claire flynn can't be with us today um but claire's details are there if you ever want to make contact um uh, and i think that is it again we're just a little bit over. Thanks for staying with us, those who could. Everybody did. Thank you. And um, just want to say, just do a quick run to say goodbyes. So I'm going to pass you through. Thomas, if you want to say your goodbyes. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I don't get to do these webinars that often, so it's great to do one. And, uh, you know, if you are fearful or stigmatizing, you know, focus on the love, you know, love yourself and do what's right for you. Thanks so many, Margaret. Love that. Love that, Thomas. Focus on the love. I'll be taking that home with me. And Noel, do you want to say bye bye? Yeah, just thanks everyone for joining us today. Great discussion. It goes too quick. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just look after yourselves and remember you're all um, powerful human beings with a lot of strength. Power and love. Love it. Um, Rosemary, do you want to say good your goodbye? Yeah, thanks. It was great to be in the webinar room here with the people on the panel and also to have the questions there that we received before and during. Um, and I hope we continue these type of conversations. I had a thought for the day right, to share with you. There's no key to happiness. The door is always open. I write up these oh, one-liners for myself. So I, I love it. Open. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and Mike, if you just want to say your goodbye. 
Well, I can't follow that, Rosemary, so um, <laughs> I'll just say goodbye. <laughs> Uh, you finally did something, Rosemary. You actually made Mike pause. Um, look at everyone for participating. Thank you so much. Thanks to everybody who put, um, you know, sent questions to me early doors with this and also during the webinar. Um, thanks also. A big special shout out to all of those in the acute unit in um, UHL. Great to have you on board today. And uh, yeah, you'll be getting um, an email over the next couple of days with all the links and the slides in it. And and um, as Mike often says, see you in the next cartoon and uh, hopefully that will be next month. Take care. Whatever you do, be kind to yourself and push back against stigma. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Midwest Aries in partnership with Mental Health Ireland. You can find us across all social media platforms at Midwest Aries. Thank you and see you next month.